listening to Enjoy an Album, the podcast where two comedians listen to the top 500 greatest albums of all time. Welcome to the Enjoying Album Podcast. Uh, this week we're getting a little bit of country with our old friend Loretta Lynn. As Miss, you can hear me now. I'm Lynn Whitnell, and this is our good friend Christopher McCarthy Boyd. How are you, Christopher? I'm okay. I refuse to take part in your classist nonsense. Sorry, my voice broke <laughs> twice when I said that. <laughs> interesting. Uh, interesting you should say that because we record the intro after recording the podcast, and I happen to remember that within the first few minutes of the podcast, you do a funny country accent, so I'll do an accurate country accent. That's what mine was. It's okay to be, it's okay to take the piss out of people's accents as long as you are accurate. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I accurate. Agree. Yeah. If you're doing it right, if you're like, oh, mamma mia, just say it, be. It's like no Italian person actually sounds like that. But if you go, oh, mamma mia, you know, that's more. <laughs> that's better. You do it like an opera singer. Yeah. Mama. Mascarpone, you know stuff like that. Um, so I went to a. Uh, I mentioned this in the episode actually, but want to expand on it. I went to a record shop with my dad in oh, Worthing. Oh, with the with the Papa West Neil get a little bit of Neil Young shit. He uh, what did he buy? Um, he he nearly bought. Um, he said he was a fan of. Close to the edge by yes, yes, yes. That's yeah. That's what it. Yeah, that's right. That's that's the one. Um, uh, I, I bought a um, an original pressing of um, Twist and Shout by the Beatles, um, which is a you know it's it's tiny. It's a bit tired. You it's know, more, I like more decorative. Paul McCartney. Um, like but anyway, him. and I told I did mention this in the episode where, that a man came in to sell some of his old records and it was offered an amount and he he. he it miserly I, I tell the story again in about two minutes in the podcast um but what i didn't tell you in the episode is what happened next so he sells this record to the the guy it's an all secondhand record shop mm-hmm. and then he says to the man uh i've got something else in my car that we're trying to sell if uh if you're interested uh-huh. and the owner says well is it musical <laughs> and the guy says no oh and the owner says well, what is it? And the guy says, I'll go get it from my car and you can have a look. So he leaves the record shop. And I say to the owner, I cannot wait to see whatever <laughs> this is. And the owner looks at me like, yeah. Can I guess? So if you guess, I'll give you a thousand pounds. Snake. <laughs> <laughs> I owe you a thousand pounds. <laughs> No, it wasn't a snake. Oh, no. Do you know what? Metaphorically, maybe. Margaret Thatcher statue. You are you are close now, so no more guesses. <laughs> what was it? He came in and he <laughs> handed the guy a bag, the, the record shop owner. The record shop pulled out, owner pulled out the object, looked at it, and then looked at me with a face that said, fuck me. And then turned it round, and it was a uh, Prince Charles and Princess Diana commemorative scone serving tray. Oh yeah, man! From the year that they were married. That's cool. I wouldn't mind that because every time I'm serving my scones, I'm like, my plates aren't big enough, but the oven tray—that's just not formal enough. And the guy said, "I don't think this is. We're a record shop." Mm. We don't sell old commemorative scone serving tr- trays. Bit rude, but right. And the guy went, "Yeah, I'm just trying to punt it. I I fucking hated that woman, <laughs> Diana. About about Diana, the people's he princess. Hate, he hated Diana. I was with my dad. Remember, mm-hmm. no big fan of the royal family. So I was I was finding this very funny, uh-huh. and my dad sort of I think he. I think he thought he was saying it under his breath. But I fucking hated a lot of them. <laughs> Please don't get involved, Dad. 
he then he then produced from the bag. Um, you know, there's like uh, Panini sticker books for the World Cup. Yes. Um, in the nineties, there was like a, a, a one of these for the England football team, where instead of stickers, you would collect like commemorative coins. Oh yeah, yeah. And he had a full one of those, and he went, "And what about this?" <laughs> and the guy said, "This is a record shop." <laughs> What do you, what do you think this is? Why would we sell a 1996 coin collection for the World Cup? Oh, the coins are kind of like discs. Yeah, I don't think they play very. You should well. have had me there. I think I would have convinced the guy. <laughs> I think I would have the guy around. So you tell me this round plate and these round <laughs> coins. You won't sell them, but you'll sell, you sell CDs and records. What about it? Uh, I've got a polo here. Uh, would you sell? Would you sell that? So anyway, if you if you think the Princess Diana or Prince Charles are a, are a snake, and if you're willing to put that on record, then I guess I owe you a thousand pounds. He is one thousand pounds coming your way. Thank you very much. Um, it's a uh, it's a banger this week. It's Loretta Lynn. Where we go back to our country roots. <laughs> um, we and we have lots of fun chatting about the record this week. It's a postman's son and a hairdresser's son talking about. A coal miner's daughter. Thanks so much to Eddie Ting for the edit. Okay, Will McKee. And please do purchase tickets to our Edinburgh Fringe shows. We're both performing at Monkey Barrel Comedy throughout the uh, Edinburgh Festival in August. Uh, our shows are one after another. He's doing the same hot sauce. I'm doing oh no. Oh no, hot sauce um, is the, 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 the double bill. <laughs> that uh, everybody's so- screaming about um, yeah, so uh, enjoy the episode, enjoy an album, enjoy your week, enjoy buying tickets to our shows, enjoy the life and works of Princess Time. Rolling Stone magazine's introduction to Loretta Lynn's The Coal Miner's Daughter. Loretta Lynn crossed over into pop with the autobiographical Coal Miner's Daughter, in which she proudly recalled her meager. Meager? Meager? No, it's a meager. Yeah, that's what I said, right? But then I panicked. You got scared. It's a scary word. It sure is. Meager? Meager. Is this Spanish? It's a word that I definitely. No, and if someone I've mm-hmm. used probably, but then when you see it written down, it's even got a squiggly red line under it, to be honest. So oh, really? that's yeah. Bill Gates throwing me off. <laughs> when have you described something as meager in your life? Um payment for gigs. Yeah, that's true, actually. I've said that. That's quite meager payment. <laughs> I saw someone in a record shop the other day, uh he took in a load of records. We'll leave all this in, by the way. Um, it took in a lot of records to a record shop I went to in um, some place near Brighton. And uh, and oh. he was offered an amount for the records. And uh, the man described the offering as miserly. Oh, I like that. And it was quite confrontational as well. He said, I, I think that's quite a miserly offer. Um, <laughs> Why don't you do the, the blurb again, but say miserly instead of meager? Um, it doesn't quite work in context of the sentence, but I'll say meagre regardless. Um, here we go. Loretta Lynn crossed over into pop with the autobiographical Coal Miner's Daughter in which she proudly recalled her meagre upbringing amid weepy steel guitar. Her mother read the Bible by coal oil light. Her dad sold hogs to buy her shoes. That resilient spirit carried over into the Coal Miner's Daughter's LP's tunes about feeling jilted, like what makes me tick, and loving another woman's man in anyone, any worse, anywhere. And the album, as well as the like-titled memoir and biopic, secured her place as one of the most important country singers ever. You think it's biopic? Like myopic? Uh, Not biopic. Oh, I can't believe I got so far. Biopic. biopic. I got so far to try so hard. Biopic. But in the end, that doesn't even matter. I, um... Here we go. Yeah, I 
I just, I you listen, cold reading is a skill. I'm not terrible at it, but there's occasional words. I've done that before with, with, with biopic. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I just trips me up. Did you see multi-pack or multi-pack? Multi-pack. Yeah. Multi-pack. Uh, do, have you heard someone say multi-pack? I think I said multi-pack and people really grabbed me and threw me against the wall and started to hit me and stuff. Yeah. Deservedly so. That's a stupid thing to say. I actually have this record right in front of me on vinyl, vinyl record. So I'd like to ask you a question about this. Uh-huh. Did you buy this record in anticipation of it uh, featuring soon on the list, or were you already a fan of the album before this podcast existed? N- well, so I've been getting into country recently. Ding! Don't know if I've made that There's clear on the, <laughs> on the podcast. One more on the counter. And... This is a kind of classic country record. But then a couple of weeks ago, I was doing... There's a very funny new comedian in Scotland called Brennan. No, Bryce Drennan, his name is, not Brennan. Brennan Dryce. That's what I call him for short, yeah. <laughs> Bryce Drennan. Or Brennan, as I call him. Uh, he has a show called Cold Titties, where you go down to the south side of Glasgow and you talk about food and music. And that's like my only two things that make life worth living for me. So I went down there... And we had done the show, and it's recorded in a record shop, and right at the country section, this was the first record there, and I knew it was coming up in three weeks, so I bought it. Right, so you bought it up in anticipation, having not heard it before. Yeah, yeah, big time. Wow. I mean, so two quite exciting things about this. Um, first off, that Mars with one of my own experiences when I was in Cardiff, I spoke about this before, I bought the number one record on this list, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye, not being overly familiar with the entire record and, and took it home and listened mm-hmm. to it. So that's, you know, that's something we've both done now. Um, secondly, it means you will have listened to this record uh, this week on something other than your iPhone speaker. I tell you what, it's better listening to music on like a hi-fi or a car or a computer, rather than uh, just your phone upside down in your shirt pocket. Yeah, I, I. It sounds better. I. This is something that um, I've come to learn over the last few weeks as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm not an audio file, but it does sound better when it's not coming out of a phone that's upside down. I, I would go as far to say uh, that headphones, I think, are mm-hmm. make a big difference. I like it just upside down. Mm. But I will admit, vinyl with speakers and, a, you know, a, not a budget uh, needle or anything like that. You know, it's a serious, it's a fairly serious uh, setup I've got. It sounds better than a phone. And I tell you what, I've dropped my phone a lot of times and the speaker's kind of fucked. Come so on. it's like crackly. Are you joking? How can you seriously talk about any of these last 60 or so albums that we've been through? No, come on. I only do that when I'm cooking. I'll have the... I'll, I'll walk around and listen to it on headphones. But drop, this week drop, I listen to it on The phone drops record. out of your pocket and into a boiling pot of pasta. How do you listen to it this well, week? I had spaghetti on it over the speaker. Well, a lot of times I have my phone upside down in my shirt pocket, but then when I get lifted upside down by bullies, it falls out. <laughs> into the toilet. In shirt pocket yeah. and into the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, it's covered in shit, and then I get my head dunked in the shit. But it's good. Same as, well, you depending know, on the album, good. that can, you know, be quite a spiritual moment, you know. You hear that? Alice Coltrane. Fucking Johnny and Swirly Sinanda, if you ask me. Tell you this, I need, a, I need a coal miner to get out of this shit-filled toilet. <laughs> Grab the pickaxe, son. So I've got a bonus blurb this week, because I actually have the, 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 the record here. This is from a guy called... Doyle Wilburn, Hang on, so, who I believe... Wait, 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 what do you mean? So the the record came with its own blurb? Yeah, on the back there's a blurb. Right, okay. On next to that's, the that's not, there's that's no... not on every record, I should say, for anyone who doesn't buy records. That's not a... A lot of, a lot of old stuff for the 60s and 70s has a little kind of blurb on the back, a lot of jazz stuff and stand-up albums especially. Right. A lot of modern stuff doesn't really have liner notes in this fashion. Yeah, it was liner notes, not necessarily the same thing as like an introductory blurb, though. But sure, go yeah. ahead. I'd like to hear it. I hope every word okay. on this is pronounced impeccably. Any fuck up, I need to be kept in. Okay. This is Doyle Wilburn, head of Decca Records. He says, I'll never forget the first time I heard the famous voice that you hear on this great Decca album. 
It was late in May 1961, and I was in my office. I heard a voice say to our secretary, I would like to see the Wilburn brothers. Our secretary said, all right. Then buzzed my phone and said, there's a young lady here to see you. I said, show her in. When the door opened, I looked up, and the young lady said, I'm Loretta Lynn, and I want you to listen to my record. I feel like that they've ex- over-explained the way that having a secretary in an office works. You know, this is a real step-by-step guide. <laughs> uh, she buzzed in, and I said, well, let her in. My secretary said, okay. And then we waited, and a, she came we waited a couple minutes, and we just sort of stared a bit awkwardly at each other. There's a lift. Okay. <laughs> and she accidentally went to the second floor. Um, we're on the third floor, but it's the third story, so that's how she got confused. There, but I'll tell you a story. When she came to the third floor, uh, she went down the flight of stairs and came in the room, and and she said, "Now, hello, uh, is this the right room?" I said, "Who are you here to see?" I was wearing a mask at the time. No, she said that uh, I'm Loretta Lynn, and I want you to listen to my record, and I did listen. A voice like I had never heard before, the voice of a coal miner's daughter. The voice that would become number one in country music. That's the voice of Loretta Lynn. And when you hear Loretta sing Coal Miner's Daughter, you're listening to her true life story written in song about her daddy, a coal miner who worked in the Van Leer coal mines of Kentucky. And when you've listened to this complete album, I'm sure you will know why millions of people throughout the world have accepted Loretta Lynn as Miss Country Music. Yeah, I think that's probably a better blurb than uh, the Rolling Stone one. Yeah. Uh, Rolling Stone's fucking trash, man. Yeah, so uh, I enjoyed the accent. Thank you. Um, so that's your sort of, uh, your your pre pod Loretta Lynn knowledge obviously there's a podcast you spoke about before rhinestones and cocaine Is it- cocaine and rhinestones has a few episodes um about one of Loretta Lynn's earlier songs called Harper Valley PTA, which is already on the ah, playlist yes the Harper Valley uh, PTA. it's an absolute smash hit there's a very interesting story behind it um but we won't get into that if you want to listen to that go and listen it's season I think it's season one, episode six of uh, Cocaine and Rain. Oh, Stones. I thought you were going to say season one, episode something of our podcast, which is, we're still in season one. The whole thing is one season. <sighs> you know, when you do a podcast, you really start going, oh, that's why they do seasons. <laughs> you don't just keep doing it for 10 years with no break. Yeah, you do. Look, plenty <laughs> of podcasts. Hey, what? Are there seasons of, uh, I don't know, what are the other big podcasts? I've never listened to one. I don't listen to podcasts. I listen to my own podcast. Mm. Cocaine and Rhinestones, uh, Joe Rogan experience, obviously, <laughs> and he doesn't have seasons, he just keeps going. Yeah. He's he's, in fact, he's never stops recording. No, <laughs> just keeps going. He doesn't even release episodes. <laughs> so did you know about Lord Ellen before this? Uh, not really, him? but I was visiting my family at the weekend, and uh, my podcast came up because I have a few family members that, are, that listen to it. My younger brother um, sang... Tattoo woohoo or tattoo boohoo at me in its entirety with with great gusto. It has to be said. <laughs> um, his fiance uh, regularly asks me when we're going to be covering uh, her favorite artist Shania Twain. I think she comes up. She does. She, she does come up. Yeah. She's so I've added a new least, occasional yeah. feature as of today. Um, the Shania Twain countdown. Um, <laughs> We will be covering Shania Twain in 140 weeks, so stay tuned. 140. <laughs> we'll count it down every week, that's great. Um, and they, my my other family, who maybe haven't listened to the podcast, but when they heard... That must have been confusing for your 80-year-old granny sitting there. She loves the podcast. And you're all talking about podcast. <laughs> she said, oh, I love it when uh, when Chris brings up Berry Gordy's come." That's what she said. <laughs> She said, I haven't heard Slimcock Bumblebees in a while. (laughs) I said, listen, yeah, it is an in-joke, but I think some more in-jokes will come, you know, and and some will go. and Some will be brought back probably after a few years. So that's just the nature of it. She went, well, give them a mention next week for me. I said, Nan, (laughs) as is your birthday, I will. Um, So look out for that. 
but they, when I said Loretta Lynn, I said I wasn't that familiar really with her work, and uh, and they said, well, there's a film, The Coal Miner's Daughter, that they, that yeah. they were familiar with because it was, you know, that was big fat ha- big hair, ni- 1980. Um, mm-hmm. So you know when they were sort of in their their mid twenties or whatever, this was a big a big hit. Uh, Sissy Spacek, uh, Spacek, Spacek um, played Loretta Lynn um, in the movie Coal Miner's uh-huh. Daughter, which she won an Academy Award for, and it was nominated for a bunch of others. Uh, so mm-hmm. so they they were aware of it. I haven't I haven't seen the film. You haven't seen it. That's interesting because uh, that brings us nicely to this week's instalment of an old feature. It's quiz. Ah, yeah, my nan will be happy because she did say as well that there hasn't been a, a quiz in in ages. And this is what she said: Why doesn't Chris do some fucking work for once? Um, which I thought was a bit. That's 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 almost wow. just how you are coming across to the listeners. And she, the first time we've ever heard her swear. Yeah, that's fucked up. Sorry. Uh, Nana with Neil, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, okay, this week's quiz is I'm going to give you uh, some dialogue from the film Coal Miner's Daughter, 1980, starring Sissy Spacek and Tommy Lee Jones. And you're going to have to tell me, is it real or did I make it up? Brilliant. Okay, Looking forward to this. Good stuff. Okay, here we go. First piece of dialogue. This is uh, Ted Webb, Loretta Lynn's father, talking to Loretta Lynn. Ted says, I ain't ever going to see you again. Yes, you will, Daddy. Well, maybe, but uh, I ain't never going to see my little girl again. Is that real or fake? Um, I know the plot of the film in a roundabout way, which we'll come to in a bit, um, because mm-hmm. it's based on sort of a true sort of thing um, process that happened so I, I think that sounds real i'm gonna say yes that's real Ding! correct okay got one right here's another piece of dialogue between loretta lynn and her daddy ted webb hell daddy i'm singing my heart out on stage every night but i'm scared i'm scared i ain't never gonna make it loretta you make it just like I made coal come out of the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> but that's just it, Pa. I ain't nothing but a coal miner's daughter. Loretta, you telling me you ain't never heard of a diamond in a coal mine? But, Daddy, coal is not a good source for diamond formation. Since coal is formed from plant debris and the oldest land plants are younger than almost every diamond that's ever been dated, it's easy to conclude that coal did not play a significant role in the formation of Earth's diamonds. Jane, that's a real quote from the film, which I made that <laughs> That's not real! Ding! That's two days. Right? Out of how many of these are there? <laughs> There's only four. Okay. No, I'm enjoying them, but, you know, I have... <laughs> you don't want a seven. It used to be seven with the quiz, but I thought... Oh, no, geez. four is okay. good. If it's this quality, four is good. <laughs> I suspect that's the best one. <laughs> okay, this is Loretta Lynn talking to one of her uh, musical heroes. She goes, I just can't believe I'm sitting here talking to Patsy Klein. Patsy Klein goes... You act like you ain't never seen a glamorous country music singer before. I think that's real. I think that's fake. Um, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about Patsy Cline in a minute. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm gonna say that's real. Ding. Correct. Yeah. Four. Yes. Okay. Here's yes. here's the last one. Just let it a second talking to one of her other music heroes. She goes, "I just can't believe I'm sitting here talking to Slimcock Bumblebee <laughs> Balls." Hell, you you act like you ain't never sat next to a man with a thin old cock and balls that buzz like a hive of damn bees. It, it's worked out perfectly. <laughs> cool, you're not. I don't know how you kept it so cool when I, I said I quoted the real thing that my nana said to me about missing Slim Cock's inclusion. He's back, man. He's back. Chang has real affair. Um, I don't think that's real. I think you've just put there to placate my uh angry nan. Correct. 
Okay, that's four out of four. And the bonus, have I placated your angry nan? Point. So that's five out of four. She's placated. Yeah, I'll text her. <laughs> I want to be placated. That's my favourite emotion. song. Wow. Okay, so that's good. We've touched touched on a few um, things that we're going to get to. Um, so yeah. the, co- the coal miner's daughter, let's ask the real question. Which, uh, how much of a coal miner's daughter was she? Secret part show, secret secret part show. You do it fast enough. He was like, "Not nah, you got no money. You got that bro secret part show." Um, Loretta Lynn was born in Busher Hall, Kentucky, a mm-hmm. small mountain town in the App- Appalachian Mountains. Appalachian. Appalachian Mountains. Um, the daughter of a uh, coal miner. Mm-hmm. Um, who died of black lung disease? So y- we're going to say not not a secret poster. She married <sighs> no partial. She no partial. She married uh, her partner Doolittle. Is what he's like referred to as. Um, that's his nickname. Uh, age fifteen, mm-hmm. she had four kids before. Uh, so sorry, she had all six kids before she was age nineteen. It's interesting to me because I haven't seen Coleman's Daughter, but I have seen Doctor Doolittle one and two mm-hmm. with Eddie Murphy. The spit, yeah, they're the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead. The tone of whiplash there was a wee bit much for me. So how many children did she have before she was of uh, age of consent? Um, well, I mean, we're going back. I mean, literally, I don't want to start Googling when consent laws were introduced in America because I feel like that'll It'll affect your algorithm. Yeah, yeah that'll flag me up on some government database. But uh, but I don't know. I mean, we're going back. I mean, she was born, I think, 1930 something. So um, I, I don't know. But anyway, um, she was married at 15 and had uh, she had four kids, I think, before the age of 17. And then twins at the end. Um, and she, and yeah. she said, when they start coming in pairs, I thought, oh, time to send my a husband away to get a job done. <laughs> Which I think she means a vasectomy. Um, oh, yeah. So, so yes, yeah, so we're saying no posho. I watched a, a documentary, um, or a PBS documentary. Um, what was it called? Because I watched an absolutely insane documentary on YouTube. That's right. Bad YouTube documentary. The segment is back. What was your thing called? Uh, was it the recent one for 2019? Um, it was. Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. it was. Re- it was really good. It was well made. It was an hour and a half. <laughs> it was. Uh, it, it had been shown on BBC Four, um, oh. and I. Um, I found. I, I. No, I work for the BBC, so I have access to all stuff. So, um, what do you do for the BBC? I write, uh, Mrs. Brown's boys. So they've given me access to everything um, uh, that they've uh, <laughs> that they've ever broadcast. Is that how it works? That's how it works. Yeah. Ah, the BBC show. Oh no, this is BBC. This is real BBC. Where was BBC? Oh, real BBC. Yeah, that was BBC. Right, okay. that was, Sorry, I've never done anything. Yeah, you were you that were, you were on parochial BBC, were you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds like a good documentary. The documentary I watched. The title of it was Loretta Lynn's Haunted Plantation. <laughs> Ooh, uh, which was a documentary all about the ghosts that live in Loretta Lynn's house. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> and she is it's on YouTube, and it will be like, "I was born a coal miner's daughter," and then I have an old person will go. Sometimes I see. Clothes walking down the hallway on account of themselves. <laughs> You're like, what? How, is this real? How many people have viewed this? Or was this like some mad person? Because you don't need unhinged YouTube comment. You've got an unhinged YouTube video. This wasn't a YouTube. This was a TV documentary. What? This wasn't a tongue bang situation. The life and sad times of the ghosts who live in uh, <laughs> Lynn's haunted plantation. This was a TV program with like a budget for the songs. And stuff. Wow. Crazy. And we had someone early there. on who was on a ghost show. Who was it? Was it, I think Chaka Khan was maybe... A... She was. She was almost haunted, yeah, wasn't she? Yeah, wow. The Chaka Khan, Loretta Lynn pipeline. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what interesting artist might connect those two people. Let's find out later on in the BMF. Uh, but right now we're doing bad, <laughs> unhinged YouTube comment of the week. And listen 
The first one isn't unhinged, but I feel like the response to it is. So the first person, someone called Bernadette Strausser, and she said, um, Loretta Lynn is so down to earth. I appreciate her because she wasn't born rich and appreciates everything God offers her. I understand her gifts of visions and spirits because I'm Hungarian and my grandmother was a psychic and handed it down to me. <laughs> and my daughter has the gift and now my granddaughter. That's the first comment. Second person, Steve Jones, got back to her four months later. said, interestingly, the Bible says not to look for an omen or request info on those that have died. Or God said that shouldn't we think that there's something else behind it? The answer is yes. And it's not a gift, really. It's trickery of Satan, ruler of the world at this time. So I thought that was kind of unhinged. I wonder um, what our first poster was thinking um, during that four months while she was waiting for that reply. <laughs> That's a long time. So I hope something gets back Yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah. And then, you know, father himself comes back steve, steve gets back steve. do you think that satan's the ruler of the world at this moment uh well yeah i mean you know the bloody uh conservative party and why you in australian the bloody conservative made a thousand blossoms bloom <laughs> you know, i'm not gonna start talking about it as long as crocodiles eat 10 people a year in queensland yeah. Um, do I think Satan... Deep cut. Um, do I think Satan rules the world? Sure. Okay, good. Um, so, how did our Loretta Lynn get into uh, to music? Well, uh, her partner, her husband, um, Doolittle, gifted her a guitar um, mm. after her sixth child was born. Um, and... The way she des- that's very the way she described it in this documentary, she said in in uh, in the mountains uh, amongst the hill people. Um, everyone. Do you know why it was called Butcher Holler? Let me just. It's because. Just my sentence. Okay. Um, <laughs> before you come in with a completely different thing. We're talking about hill people. Um, she said that uh, amongst the hill people, everybody can play an instrument, and when she first met people who couldn't play instruments, she thought that was strange. Um, so there's just naturally musical. Uh, they don't have Game Boys or anything up there, so it's quite hard to spend time without uh, playing music. Mm. So um, I was wondering why it would be called Busher Hall. Do you have any insight? Butcher Haller? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I think it was called Butcher's Hollow, and then it became known as Butcher Haller. And all these mountain people, the areas were called Hollers because they would... Just if someone new came up to the area that they didn't recognise, they would just shout, and there was no nothing around to stop the sound. Oh, okay. So you could just shout to the next house that was like a mile down the road and go, oh, or something, and then they would know someone's coming. Oh right, okay. Not you. That's why it's called butcher hall. Is that what you'd shout? Just that noise, or we'd be like, ah, uh, what are you up to? Strange coming, stranger. It's raining over here. Is it raining over there yet? <laughs> Y'all, y'all let me know if it's raining. Stuff like that. Um, she, her husband was like, so the relationship between those two was like basically pretty fraught the whole time. Um, but he he first sort of encouraged her to sing live at their local tavern, and uh, she was a natural singer. Um, she and uh, just slowly started picking up sort of local gigs, singing covers of country songs. Um, she got on mm. a local television station. Um, as part of a talent show um, and a local businessman saw that was a bit taken with her song honky tonk woman mm-hmm. yeah and uh and decided to fund its release so paid for it up front i'll pay for this to get pressed and released i think it's so good and in order to promote this single her and her husband uh took three months and drove around to every radio station that they could get to in America, and they mm-hmm. sat at the radio station and waited for them. You know, we're here. Here's the record. Play it, and and waited for them to to play it. Sometimes it would take hours. Sometimes they would sit there for hours, and they'd say, "No, we're not playing it." 
and uh, and eventually it picked up traction and ended up hitting uh, in the country, the Billboard country chart doing well, which is obviously, that was their, their aim anyway. Uh, the later sort of crossover success is unexpected or not really aimed for. And that was the plot to the film, The Coal Miner's Daughter, charting there, you know. It's a pretty amazing story, really. I think it's one of the better ones we've, um, we've heard on the podcast, you know, rather than, oh... Uh, this artist's dad worked for the CIA, and uh, one what you hear that Metsky? One day, whilst you hear that, <laughs> I know you're listening, Metsky. You keep DMing me, tell me you're loving the the chat. Is your granny Metsky? That's my that's my theory. Bring back Slim Cock. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. So then, you know, by the time we go to Nashville, uh, the, the 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 mecca of country music. Um, she mm-hmm. was already pretty well known and then could basically sort of walk into some of the, the early opportunities that she got. Um, played at a place which I saw in this documentary, which looks fucking amazing. Uh, Ernest Tubbs Record Shop. It just closed down two, uh, two years ago, do you know that? Just after COVID, are you, actually. Are you actually saying that to me right now after I've just said I would love to go there? Is that real? It's shut. I put Ernest Tubb on the playlist about fucking a year ago because I love him. Right. And I, one of my dreams was to go to Ernest Tubbs Record Shop, but it's closed down in Nashville, the main place. It's a shame. Ernest Tubbs Record Shop, Nashville. Open! It's fucking closed! No, it's open. Thank- oh, maybe it's closing soon. Um. Oh, uh, wait. No, hang on. <laughs> There's mixed reports. Uh-huh. Google literally says it's open, and it closes yeah. at 6 p.m. Right. For good. Uh, well, imagine if this was the closing day. <laughs> Um, so why are you looking at this we can't go anyway it was very cool so they interviewed Ernest Tubb in this documentary and and Loretta Lynn was there and uh, he had on display this like upturned um, coke crate that Mm -hmm. he said he has there because uh, and it's like it's like signed by Loretta Lynn um, and it's because when Loretta would play uh, at this mm-hmm. this record shop once a week um, it would get really busy people could see her uh, but no one could see her because she was short so she would stand on this upturned coke crate and then that was her like there was like taking pictures of her next to the old crate very cool very like you know just like homely nice nice stuff you know you need to check out that I know you probably listened to that if you've been on the playlist but then a tub song Nails in My Coffin he's like I'm just oh, having yeah. nails in my coffin every time I drink a bottle of booze it's like super cool shit man um, so when she was uh, sort of starting up in Nashville and playing at um, Ernest Tubbs once a week the biggest female artist at that time was Patsy Cline mm. Who is also on the list already because of me. Yeah, so Patsy, um, there was a point where she was in hospital. Uh, and so uh, Loretta sang a tribute to her. Um, that this, this show used to go out on the local radio. And uh, so Patsy was in hospital recovering from illness. Heard on the radio Loretta Lynn um, pay homage to her. So Patsy sent out her husband said, go find me Loretta Lynn and bring her to me. Sounds like King Harry. Yeah. She was summoned and uh, Patsy Cline was like, you're amazing. Big fan of you. Um, I want to give you some dresses and hang out with you and talk about a bit more about stage presence and stuff like that. So a very cool sort of story of like uh, passing the gauntlet of country leading country female stars mm. and uh and so that's and so she still has there's like some dresses in like the loretta lynn museum that were handed down and even apparently some underwear but the 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 guy being interviewed was like well yeah there is famously a story of an old pair of panties which uh which patsy gave to loretta and everybody always asks and they are here but they aren't on display Listen, if I ain't allowed to sniff them, neither are you, okay? <laughs> That's his big line, he says. Um, if I ain't sniffing those patsy clown panties, then hell, son, you ain't sniffing them neither. And I, and I swear I swear to almighty God, I have not sniffed them. I ain't never sniffed their panties. I don't know what they smell like. 
They sure ain't mothballs, let me tell you something. <laughs> and if I were to guess, I certainly wouldn't say like warm winter raspberries. That's not what I would say. Some people say there's new stains on them that weren't there when they got here. I don't. I can't speak to that. If you would have slipped me a twenty dollar bill, I certainly would now take you into the back room and show you the secret box where I keep them next to my pop tarts. It's a great, it's a great bit. She wrote the coal miner's daughter, and it was a crossover success. Yeah. And it was released on this album. Um, this album is a 16th album. They used to have, you know, we talk about the kind of factory style production of uh, Motown Records with Barry Gordy and all the come that he eats, right? But uh, the Nashville A team and the way that Owen Bradley ran uh, Nashville at the time, uh, so he had this thing called Country Politan, which was uh, getting rid of the steel guitars and the fiddle in country music. And like making it a little bit more accessible, a bit more big band influence, more more strings. Uh, so this doesn't sound like quote unquote proper country, but uh, the A team who were playing on this record, and this is full of like absolute A team uh, ringers, like the best session guitarists and uh, bass players and drummers I've in country history were on this record, and. Um, what was I talking about? I can't even remember why I started talking about this shit. <laughs> just, uh, the, you know, this was the, the fact. Of the oh, yeah. So they were just, there was like a, so it was, it was a, a 16th album. Churn it, them out. <laughs> they would just churn them out, man, like over and over and like loads of covers. So you're not really having to write that many. She only wrote two songs on this record. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah, I mean, that's it. This this record, I mean, I will say, I mean, we're a bit early to get into any criticisms of the record i think maybe um way too early yeah, yeah. don't even dare <laughs> but uh this this then blew up and then she spent the rest of her life on the road really she was doing two two to three hundred gigs a year um from 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 then until up until only like four or five years ago um where she she suffered a few strokes and now now no longer performs she done a cool record with jack white a couple of years ago aka doro on zonats <laughs> um, what's it called? Is it Van, uh, uh, the Van? Van Lee or something? Um, yeah, uh, Van Lee Queen or something? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I listened to that. It's fucking cool. Yeah, really, really cool. It's really cool. So what happened there was Jack and Meg, whilst on tour with the White Stripes, were listening to Loretta Lynn, um, as a sort of go-to, um, like tour bus album. Um, whilst they were writing their next record, and when they released their next record, they uh, in the liner notes thanked Loretta Lynn. Uh, yeah, they done a cover of the song "Rated X" by Loretta Lynn as well. Yeah, um, and Loretta Lynn thanked them very much in the style that Patsy Cline had uh, reached out to to her. Um, she reached out to them and said, "Would you like to come over to my ranch for dinner?" Um, and they did. And Loretta Lynn was saying, "Well, I'm actually doing." working on a new album, and Jack White sort of went, well, you know, I could produce that for you. And uh, she went, okay. And then, yeah, that was it. Uh, the Van Le- the, the, the Lee Van Rose. Oh, my God, I can't remember. I don't know. I can't believe I've forgotten the name of this album. Um, hey, Van Lee Rose sounds a bit right. Yeah, there's a song on it called Portland, Oregon, which is fucking cool, man. That was, like, the main single. Yeah. Um, really good like it's just a cool it's not it's, it's both of them are kind of staying in their lane at the same time like it is a country jack white album which mm-hmm. maybe sounds like it should work maybe it doesn't obviously they've got a lot of americana influences anyway but but it it doesn't sound like either of them doing an impression of the other it sounds like they're both doing their, their thing and somehow it just clicks yeah uh it's like blues music and country music kind of go hand in hand yeah yeah makes sense um so so yeah, like uh, she's still. I mean, all her career. Uh, I think there's a lot of albums that are half Loretta Lynn songs and a lot of covers. We've seen that before with these other country artists as well. I think it's bad that man. Because as soon as you get into them, you're like, oh great, I've got forty albums to listen to, and life is so boring most of the time. You know, like you're always just thinking, well, yeah, I'd love to be doing something. You know, so you're like, fuck, man, I like. I like uh, Ernest Tubb, great. There's 40 Ernest Tubb records. I like Loretta Lynn. It's like 80 records I can listen to now. That's great. Do you think that's great? I think it's overwhelming. Well, it's like, you know, when you get into like uh, 
what's the name of that creep? J.D. Salinger. Mm-hmm. If you like him, there's like a book, three thin books, and a collection of short stories, and that's it. Or like Joy Division. Oh my God. Two records and some singles. Yeah. And then New Order, but no. whatever. Yeah, I think that's good. No. I want a messy, sloppy, 50-year career full of just absolute car crash records. <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, well, then let's... Let, Metallica! Let, anyway, let, let's get into... The, this is kind of my opening that, you know, obviously I have been quite vocal before about my... Um, On the Jason Isbell episode, I think I can guess what you're about to say. You don't like country music. Let me finish. Okay, I have been vocal before upset. about my natural aversion towards country music. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think... That the uh, the the way we're doing this podcast has not served an introduction to country very well. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> if we'd gone Loretta Lynn, Jason Isbell, Miranda Lambert, or you know Miranda and Jason yes. swap, yes. then it would have been a much sort of uh, a much better introduction from. From then until now, the way that we've seen with the likes of, you know, um, Howling Wolf and Into the Stones and where that goes, you know, it's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, that being said, I don't think this album is the best selection mm-hmm. of Loretta Lynn's music. This, and we've got annoyed before when they've put greatest hits on the list. Mm-hmm. In this case, entirely justifiable. There is because of the fifty-year career. Uh, yeah, right. But in fairness, this song, this album, got made. Well, it's really the song that got made out of the film, and it's really the song that got included in like the list of the greatest songs of all time by the American Congress. Mm. You know, so it's not really the album. Well, totally. And and the, the album opens with the song "Coal Miner's Daughter," mm-hmm. uh, and. and when you look at... And then never talks about Cole again. When you look at the rest of the songs, the that, rec- like if you do look at some of the greatest hits albums that Loretta Lynn's had or, or you know, best of compilations, um, mm-hmm. no other songs on this album feature or on them. And she has had mm-hmm. a lot of really good other songs. When you look at... Um, you can go on set list and look at what songs like, she most played live. And again, mm-hmm. absolutely the, 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 only, the only one on this album that goes there. So I'm not... I, you know, I want to be clear here that I'm not being anti-country at all because I did enjoy listening to Loretta Lynn and I enjoyed listening to a, a bunch of Loretta Lynn songs, including the one mm-hmm. you mentioned, the White Stripes Covered, the the X. Rated X, which is about, Rated X is about when you are a single woman, you can't have male friends because everybody assumes you're going to shag them. Then you're Rated X. Yep. Um, there's also her song, The Pill, which was about The Pill. The Pill. Um, yeah. You had uh, she did, uh, but interestingly, it's not about taking the pill so that you can go out and share guys. It's it's still kind of, even though it was banned. It's interesting that it was banned, but it's a song about wanting to get the pill so you can just have sex with your husband loads of times yep. without without worrying. <laughs> yeah, which would have been good for her, you know. She had six kids, uh, absolutely. Um, and this is it. There's this kind of like soft f feminism. She's kind of called a feminist a bit. hundred um, percent a feminist, man. Well, well no. sure, you know. But there are there is some confusing. Like she, the song that I put on the playlist already, Harper Valley PTA. That's about a single mother showing up to the parent teacher association. Everybody's criticising her for wearing a short skirt, but then she goes through person by person and just annihilates the small town. Uh, small mindedness of the people and how they're all hypocrites. Yeah, but at the same time, she was uh, vocally uh, and financially a supporter of uh, uh, our president, Donald Trump. So, um, you know, there was mixed messages. You do why I drain the swamp? <laughs> okay. Okay. One of those types, that's fine. Uh, and, and was like sort of publicly against gay marriage as well and, and, and did that s- well what happened to the emails with Hillary though you know and did that same thing that Miranda Lambert kind of did which is kind of chicken out when asked about politics sometimes say well my music's just my music it's not political um, easier for Miranda Lambert to say that but uh, but yeah like do you judge people on what they say or what they do I judge them on what they do okay and what she did was right 
some of the most amazing feminist music of all time that was banned. And she didn't care. She kept making it. Yeah, there, uh, there are some songs I really like. The, um, the um, You Ain't Woman Enough to Come... Uh, you Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man is a, it's mm-hmm. like... There's like a few... I mean, there's like the, the... Did you hear the story behind it? Well, I think like 90% of the music uh, seems to be li- literally about her and her husband's like dreadful relationship where he was yeah. he he was obviously I mean she was away for long periods of time um and yeah. he would he was an alcoholic um they would argue they would fight she knocked his two front teeth out once um so sure. you know uh, she says in the documentary yeah he would hit me but I would hit back twice as hard um so uh, you know that uh, most of the songs are based on their relationship uh, uh, the more you hurt, she said, the better the song is. You put your whole heart into a song when you're hurting. Ain't that the truth? Uh, but the, the, the story behind uh, you and you and women have to take my man, it's this woman came backstage at the show and she was like, oh my God, I, I, my, my boyfriend asked him if he wanted to come to the show and he said no, but he's sitting in the second row with his mistress. And she went out. and No, she said, go out. She said to the girl, she went, Listen, honey, she ain't woman enough to take your man. And then she went, that's fucking, that's cool. And she wrote it down. She wrote a song about it. Yeah. I love how country musicians just do that. I love it in Johnny Cash. She's walked the line where uh, uh, his future wife's on stage at the rehearsal when he's drunk and stuff. And she goes, Johnny, you can't walk the line. And he goes, walk the line. And any rates walk the line. There is a good thing that I think uh, Loretta Lynn's lyrics do, which a lot of country does really well. But I've come to appreciate from from this album and the, and the other songs that I listen to is that 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 nice uh, sort of country lyricism of sort of uh, taking like established idioms and like uh, you know messing with them. So like there's there's she has lyrics about you know I'll burn, I'll, I'll burn down the family tree and and things like that, which is. It's quite cool. The storytelling and use of language in country music is breathtaking when you compare it to, especially a lot more kind of middle class music, which is, you know, art rock and art pop, where the lyrics are kind of willfully not about anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like a little bit more, uh, it's real shit, man, you know? Same way that NASCAR doesn't get treated like a real sport and wrestling doesn't get treated like real theatre because it's trailer trash art. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That's good shit to me. <laughs> I'm, not NAS- I'm not an NASCAR fan, but I like country music. I like wrestling, put it that way. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I don't want to be too, too shitty about Loretta Lynn. I just think that this would have been a good occasion for them to go you know what, this best of these are all her songs. We wanna she wants she should be on the list. One of the most <laughs> inspiring like country musicians of all time. Uh and you know, obviously you know, they like their country. Um but but this album uh, after song one dovetails pretty quickly and, and and the rest is is pretty average country compared to her own discography. Yeah. Can I shock you? Yes. I completely agree. Wow. Um, I love Loretta Lynn she's already on the playlist Patsy Klein already on the playlist Ernest Tubb already on the playlist I'm beginning to country these three are fucking class I was sitting learning uh, Three Cigarettes in an Ashtray by Patsy Klein on my guitar earlier today singing to myself Um, but my issue with it is uh, the songs are pretty decent they're not the best songs she's ever done but like Mashes, I like the songs like The Pill and Rated X. And uh, there's a great one called Fist City, which is about like, uh, don't come around, don't take a detour when you come in my town or you're going to end up in Fist it's City. Cool. And it's all about how much she wants to just sock women in the head. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's class. This is this is what um, I mean when it's sort of that feminist thing. It's like when her husband's away cheating, a lot of times she's blaming the women that he's cheating on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than. You ever been? You ever been cheated then? Yeah. Who are you going to blame the person you need to get back together with, or some fucking clown? Well, well, you go and you kill them, and you come back to your house. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. The other song she had, uh, uh, one on the way, um, about you know, sort of about she got one on the way. She got kid, kids on the way, and about like the stress <laughs> of uh, of of looking after so many children, 
And there's a great video of this, of her appearance on, I think it is one of the very first series of uh, The Muppets. Um, so she sings it and there's loads of like little Muppet babies who are like, she's trying to like iron while singing and trying to feed them. And all the kids are like screaming and being really bad. And the phone keeps ringing and her husband's on the phone like, I'm out and I'm drunk. And she's like trying to sing her song. Um, you know, it's pretty, it's all, it's all fine stuff. Um, but this is the location in the episode of my YouTube comment of the week. <laughs> YouTube comment of the week. Which reads simply, this is just, it was just, uh, the name was just like Gary or something. Uh, nothing interesting. Uh, said, yes, the pill has changed tomorrow. We need to bring in people from other countries <laughs> to replace our missing babies. Thanks, Loretta. Listen, if you're not bringing up the great replacement in the <laughs> comments of a YouTube video of Muppet Babies episode, you don't really believe it. All right, I respect that. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a song I like that her and this guy's name is hilarious. You might have heard it on your podcast, but I've never heard it before. Who's uh, she uh, covers uh, a guy? Is it Conway? Conway Twitty. Get some hairline that boy look up. I've hairline. seen, I've seen really him. Cool yeah, hairline. so she yeah. she covered him on this album, and then they ended up duetting uh, together loads during the eighties and released albums together. And they released mm. a song called "Louisiana Woman," Louisiana Woman, Louisiana Man, uh, which is great. That uh, I but I just love his name. Con- some of the names: Ernest Tubbs and Conway Twitty. Yeah, they're Roy Acuff. He's a funny one as well. <laughs> there's loads of cool. There's loads of real cool names and stuff. My favorite song on it's uh, other than actually more than Call Me Daughter. My favorite song is uh, "For the Good Times" by Chris Christopherson. It's a cover of that, um, and that's one of my favorite songs. There's a great book by oh, what's the fella's name? I met I met him. Anyway, there's a book called "For the Good Times" by a Scottish author, and it's about a guy who's in the IRA. Um, and it's like in the seventies in Ireland and Belfast, and it kind of goes to Glasgow for a wee bit, comes back to Belfast, and it's a kind of magical realism take on Irish republicanism. Um, How did that go down? It was it's an amazing. Book. <laughs> okay, but, we're, but all the I, were the RRA <laughs> into it. They're, they're big fans of magical realism. Oh, oh it, it, this just came out like uh, three, four years right, ago. Okay. So it's kind of new, but the guy's family was in the IRA and right. stuff. So it's all about violence and magic and betrayal and but all the IRA guys are obsessed with like Perry Como, the mm. singer, who was like a bad Frank Sinatra. Mm. And even though they're all like extremely violent dudes, it's like funny that they're like, you know, we like we like Perry Como because he's like doesn't drink and he's a good man. And they all kind of style themselves after him. And the song for the good times by uh, which Perry Como covered by Chris Christopherson. That's the kind of title. Is the kind of soundtrack, and uh, I just love every time I listen to it. It's just such an apocalyptic song. It's like, there's no need to watch the bridges that we're burning, ding, 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 for the good times. That go down well in the Republic of Ireland as well. They love country music. Garth Brooks is absolutely massive there, so you know maybe. Yeah, this is more like a lounge take on it. But maybe that yeah, could be the definitely. song that unites Ireland. Yeah. And then the other Perry Como song they're obsessed with in the book is It's Impossible. There's another Perry Como classic. You know what I mean? And uh, that may be my playlist pick, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I mean, it's slim pickings this week for playlist picks, so... Uh, no! No, don't say that! For, from the album, come on. You've got the entirety of country so, music and all the conversations. No, for the, for the extra pick, sure. But, like, I mean, oh, yeah, here's yeah, the yeah. thing. You've bought this record in anticipation of, of, of this. And I'm kind of, like, a bit... Like, I know that Loretta Lynn has... A, you could easily get a record of 20 great songs. And, and, yeah. and none of them are on this album, really, apart from the titular song, yeah. which is the first track. You should have got the EP. should have got the EP, man. Yeah, so... Um, I should have listened to it before I bought it. <laughs> it's like twenty. This is what people had to do though back in the day. <laughs> yeah, all that that you know back then. Oh, I'm not saying back then because, but in country music, it wasn't like, oh, this is my new piece of art. It was like, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the way French shows should be. It's like, oh, we'll do some stand up about what's happened to you in the last year. All right, you know, yeah. not necessarily. 
you know, licking some uh, Kitsonian uh, theatre cock. You know, you could just uh, do a bit of stand-up about the last year in your life <laughs> if you wanted to. Um, and that's kind of what country music's about because it's a working-class art form. It's not obsessed with, uh, you know, Soho theatre and um, absolute shite pipe nonsense. You know, it's uh, it's good stuff. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> Um, look, there is some some bits uh, of it that I kind of you know prefer. Um, there is some some of the you can see some of the uh, the, the the lyricism growing into it. But I don't even think she wrote she wrote what, what only two songs on this album as well. So you can't even really talk about her lyricism. It's just a cover. No, I think that's unfair because the first song it was originally a nine verse mm. uh, epic yep. song, like six minutes long, and then the producer, the guy who invented country politan style of music uh he the nashville sound he owned bradley he said listen we need to trim some of these off and she was crying because there was a verse about how her dad was like slaughtering hogs and mm. stuff and she wanted to keep that in so she was crying while they edited it so she has she has a she has a really good I, yeah writer. no and, and this sorry so I, just to be clear i i i agree that she's a great writer uh, mm. and and she really like but but you can't you can only really see that in in two songs in this album what one that she co-wrote mm-hmm. and one that she wrote like entirely herself so the rest of it is covers so uh, it, as a loretta lynn do you know what i mean oh, that's just what the genre's like though it's like saying oh yeah kanye west he's good but he's not very good at playing the guitar it's like well you know he's not a guitar player you know he's a there's nothing right you, you, you must have completely misunderstood what i've said to say that no you're saying because she didn't write it it's not her thing. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying oh, she's okay. a good lyricist, but you can't uh-huh. really get that that much out of this album compared to loads of her other later stuff. Yeah, that's just what the genre's like. <laughs> Don't make me put my hat back on. I'm going to put it on. <laughs> you well, saying? you can, because there's, the there's later song. albums that will have plenty more songs written by her on it. You would think. <laughs> What's your playlist pick? The hat's on. What's your playlist? Um, I'll go with Coal Miner's Daughter because, um, you know, I, that's the best song on the album by a long shot. And you you have more interest, I think, uh, in other songs. I'm going to stick on For the Good Times by uh, Loretta Lynn. Not my favourite version, but one of my favourite songs of all time. Very much in the vein of... Uh, oh, and I should say before we get into this, uh, Bette Midler Factor, her and Bette Midler done a song called... Oh, where's my notes? Shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Take the hat off me. I don't deserve it. Her and Bette Midler in 1972 both done a song called Delta Dawn and they recorded the cover in the same month. That's quite interesting. Oh, so they didn't They but, didn't do a song together. They just have both individually done a song. They both covered the same song in the wow, same month. Wow, wow, wow. Delta as in, I guess, uh, the Mississippi Delta. Is that where that song's from? Correct, yeah. Wow. Uh, the song came out the year before by the original guy, um, Steve Harvey. And then they, I don't think it's the Steve Harvey who does Family Fortunes so. though. And um, they, um, uh, so they both cover. It was quite a popular song, so a lot of people were covering it. Wow. Um, you just don't, yeah, you just don't really get that that much these days. Of like, you really don't. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if uh, watermelon sugar, watermelon sugar, hi. And then like, oh, next year everybody's covering watermelon sugar. I guess buskers do. Yeah, but that's not the same. Yeah, that's that's it. You know, Ben Medler Pro- probably. Buskers. Due to the copyright laws and stuff, are just um... I would imagine it's because the way people get paid now isn't based on record sales; it's based on royalties. Yeah. Uh, so they're more in- whereas it used to be the record industry was more interested in just getting as many out, but now it's all about the royalties. So it's not financially viable to cover stuff. You're quite right. What is your uh, playlist pick? Inspired by the conversation, but not included on there. I was going to have Portland, Oregon, the uh, the the uh, Jack White and Loretta Lynn duo, but it's been taken off Spotify. So I'm going to have the, oh. the White Stripes cover of Rated X. There is a live version of that's that on Spotify. I'm going to use that. Were you going to choose that as well? No, that's very very cool. What was my choice? Why do I keep closing this book? I'm going to stick on. Uh, it's Impossible by Perry Como. Uh, I don't think Perry's on the list. I think that's list, our first uh, big sectarian choice that we've got. <laughs> What's next week? Penny Arcade? No, he, he's not. I'm going to put on Simply the Best. 
<laughs> no, it's it's like just in the book, the IRA guys like I don't think it's like a famously, you know, IRA song. I don't Come think. On. Even if it was, fuck yeah. it. You know, I, I believe in Irish sectarianism. Uh, no, I believe in Irish republicanism. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in sectarianism. Wow. I believe in Irish uh, 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 republicanism. And I also support the other side. I'm very bi- I'm Come very out, you black and tans. Come out and fight me like a man. Is that next week's choice? Let's find out. <laughs> next week, we're listening to Park Life by Blur. It very much... Uh, they, let's not get any whiff what they represent in terms of sectarianism. But um, Partick, that's so probably. But uh, I think that's all for this week. That was a good episode. Is it Park Life next or is it James Brown? <sighs> It's not Park Life by Blur. It's Sex Machine by James Brown. <laughs> and I think we'll agree, if you've seen the size of Catholic families, he was a Catholic. <laughs> uh, they are sex machines also. I um, tell you, he was shouting woo-hoo a couple of times. <laughs> well, I don't know what that Well, means. in Song 2 by Blur, they're going woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Yeah. And he, w- he would shout that when uh, when having unprotected sex. Get on up. That's what you would say. Probably makes more sense. He wasn't saying get it up, you know. Get the, it, get it, the, get on up the, the raw. Types of people, yeah. <laughs> get on up, up the raw, you know. So uh, probably not what he was talking about. Woohoo! Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have, uh, which has been a normal amount. I've had a lovely time. Kind of disappointed in the record this week. Did I enjoy an album? Sure. Did you enjoy an album, Liam? Uh, yeah. Did you enjoy a week of falling in love with country music? I sure did. Hey, that's where we like to hear. We aren't Conway Twitty showing up. Well, uh, we'll see you next week for uh, a bit of James Brown's uh, set. Get on up. Goodbye.